Ben's Friends is the food and beverage industry support group offering hope, fellowship, and a path forward to professionals who struggle with substance abuse and addiction. Ben's Friends exists to provide a safe haven and an anonymous, judgment-free forum for workers in an industry that has one of the highest rates of substance abuse in the country. Their mission hasn't changed during quarantine. Ben's Friends chapters across the country are now offering online meetings. You can find a chapter near you at benfriendshope.org. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere and somewhere is Auburn, Alabama. For me, I'm Kat Johnson, your host. And I'm joined by <laughs> Hannah Forden, who is in Titusville, New Jersey, baby. <laughs> We've got Dylan it's a Hoyer. Day. <laughs> From Western Mass. We've got Matt Patterson. Newport, Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest of honor on this week's episode is none other than Zara Tangora, coming to us live from... The Eye of the Storm in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> the epicenter. <laughs> How is everyone doing this week? Um, this is our third happy hour coming to you virtually. How's everybody doing? Feeling feeling okay. Yeah, I have Today. to say, like, our, our Thursday evening ritual has been a nice highlight of quarantine to be able to, like, we've been doing a lot of team catch-ups on Google Hangouts and Zoom meetings and all that fancy stuff. But to be able to, like, just sit back and, like, catch up properly um, has been a really nice routine. Since the I HRN agree. fun rating week starts on Wednesday, I'll say since Wednesday, my week's been going well. <laughs> Excellent. It's picked up this Wednesday to Thursday. <laughs> As I mentioned before, when we were just chit-chatting, I am living my best life. I am thriving in this pandemic. <laughs> my nails have never looked better. And uh, yeah, uh, as I mentioned, I'm looking forward to April being my month. April's the month. Yeah, it's me good. JK. No, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm as good as can be expected. I think that's all we can ask for, right? Absolutely. Um, We're all healthy. You know, there's the saying about April showers, and I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't mind if it just kind of rained all month so that it gave Mm. us like a a sort of a reason to be inside other than a pandemic. That is insanity. I've been so sad every time that it's raining and I want to go outside and I can't go outside. I mean, or, you know, like I can and I have been. But come on, sun. I still want sun. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I feel I'm you. Not, yeah, I'm, I'm not with you on that, Kat. I'm sorry. I think I think that's also probably one of the privileges that, you know, I am not in the city anymore. And so being able to, like, go outside um, – even though it's like very lonely because I don't see any people. I just see deer and trees um, and grass. But going outside has been very helpful for my sanity. So I don't agree. That is true. That is true. I think Kat is saying that from sunny Alabama. Fair enough. She's She's losing touch with our cold northern, northeastern She's tired. She's tired of the good weather. She's like, oh, so hard. (laughs) I'm looking for like another reason to justify just like, you know, like cozy movie, movie nights and movie days. 
I agree with you. I feel you on that. I feel personally a lot of pressure when the weather is nice out to be outside at every moment. And so for me, I've actually also looked forward a little bit to the grayer days because it seems like being inside makes more sense on a grayer day. And like, especially being in, in the city, like I'll try to go out for an early morning run, like wearing a mask and, you know, being safe and everything. But it's like important, I think, around here to kind of stay in. So I, I'm mm-hmm. with you on that because it feels like it makes me feel more normal about being inside. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So it's happy hour. Um, I definitely heard Matt crack a can open. Uh, what's everyone drinking? Uh, I have the Exhibit A Brewing Company from, oh, from my hometown in Massachusetts. Um, Sunday Paper Imperial Stout with coffee. Mm. Wow. It's very good. Yeah. Anybody else have a beverage? Well, you said you were making a cocktail, cat. What'd you make? Um, did I you succeed up- or you have like whiskey plus ice? Um, <laughs> close, close. I, I tried very last minute to, to sa- decide to make something and... I did have a rye whiskey, so I started with that, and then I was like, well, what else do I have? And normally I would have, you know, what, uh, dry vermouth available um, to make something pretty easily. I did not, that did not make the trip down here, and I have not re-upped the supply. So I decided to make a sort of old-fashioned, but with rye whiskey, and then I used a little bit of cane syrup to sweeten it, some bitters, um, some Fee Brothers bitters, and then a bit of maraschino cherry juice. I found a jar of maraschino cherries in this house. Um, and yeah, that's that's it. I was a little concerned at how it was going to come out, but it's not bad. Mm. So cheers. That sounds good. Cheers. I'm drinking um, a thyme and ginger tea, like tonic, that I made myself because apparently thyme, fresh thyme, that's right, but prickly old thyme that you find in any store is supposed to be like the best herb for lung health. So I've been making thyme mm. and ginger tea and it's supposed to keep your lungs nice and spongy and moist. That is so mm. cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Time. I love that. That's good advice. Yeah. I have some time. I, I, I'll give that a shot. Yeah, you should for sure. It's supposed to be like of all the things I researched and like anticipating finding all these like wacky different herbs. And there are many that are supposed to be good for lungs, but yeah, thyme is supposed to be the best. Cool. Pretty groovy. Um, well, we thought it was important to, I mean, we've been trying to like connect with hosts over happy hour. Um, since we don't get to see your lovely faces in the studio at Roberta's these days. Um, but especially since you are the host of two shows, um, life's a banquet and processing, um, which we think right now is such an important, uh topically for all of us to talk about grief talk about mental health because i read a really amazing article in um uh of all things the harvard business review that was about um looking at this time as a time of like collective grief um and a lot of people don't realize that what they're what they're feeling is um very similar to the cycles of grief that you would feel um from a loss absolutely um, so do you want to tell um, any HRN happy hour listeners who might not know um, the background on processing, what the show is all about? I know you were on once before. Totally. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, processing is a show about the intersection of food and grief. And we started it. Uh, my mom, Bobby, is the co-host. And we started it because I'm a chef and Bobby is a psychotherapist specializing in trauma and grief. 
And she also used to be a chef and she's an amazing cook. And we wanted to kind of start a show to disarm the stigma surrounding grief and what a better kind of universal uh, binder and kind of way to get people to open up than food. Um, So we saw a really cool connection there. And yeah, you're absolutely right, Hannah, when you say that this is like uh, much like the stages of grief. I mean, you have, you know, the denial and the acceptance and uh, the bargaining, all the kinds of things that people do when they're grieving, you know, because we're, we are collectively grieving the loss of all our normal lives. And, you know, even if you, like, I'm trying to really count my blessings um, and there are all kinds of people who've been affected in ways from losing loved ones to losing their jobs, their income, all kinds of things. But even if you're someone who has not experienced, you know, a really traumatic loss in the situation, like still losing your routine is huge. You know what I mean? Like losing normal, losing what you see in your community, businesses and and seeing like shuttered storefronts and stuff. I mean, that's lost too. And it's very, it's all just very strange. So I think that's very accurate that we all are globally experiencing grief and uh, it's, it's tough. I don't know that we've ever all really been in it like this before or at least not in a very long time do you think that also at the same time it's like there's a unity in it because i to your point like we are all experiencing this at the same time so like have you seen instances of that have you seen people sort of trying to come together to cope with this temporary new normal in creative ways yeah absolutely i mean like I think that times of deep crisis are always times when you see uh, amazing unity and amazing community. And I think like we all, uh, it's, it's illuminated how much community is important. And you see these like beautiful gestures of, you know, I mean, just in New York, like seeing people out their windows every night at seven, cheering for healthcare workers, folks just kind of like helping each other with packages and going shopping for uh, people who are older. And I mean, there's a myriad of ways in which folks are finding the beauty in this, you know? Um, there's definitely a huge opportunity. I think uh, we're probably all in agreement in this, that like there's a huge opportunity for growth from this, you know, from seeing um, how the canals in Venice are clear and what that actually, what our, you know, carbon footprint looks like and how we could reduce it to you know, bring back nature, um, to just kind of understanding systems in our country that don't work that for people and that's being illuminated now. So I think there's like huge opportunity for growth, um, and togetherness. I think it's up to us whether or not we want to really like capitalize on that or we're just eager to move back into our normal lives. And I hope it's the former. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, something that we've been talking a lot about on the network as a whole is, like you're talking about systems are being um we're seeing we're seeing systems that aren't working in a really uh clear way now um and one of those is the restaurant industry and specifically like labor around restaurants and Mm -hmm. how there's no social safety net both for these small businesses and then the people that are working in them i mean you used to run a restaurant so how like what have you been seeing what is your takeaway from this as someone who's been in on the inside of it before? What do you hope comes out of this um, when when we can finally go back to hopefully normal in these restaurants we're hoping can all kind of hang on and, and reopen? Yeah, well, I hope a few things. I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but I've been very pro-union for restaurants for a very long time. 
Um, I think that the restaurant industry, like, should absolutely be able to unionize. Um, it's a huge industry, and like you're saying, there's pe- people have no safety net whatsoever. Um, I hope that aside from like the practical changes, like making sure that there is a safety net um, instilled for us on a government level for, you know, in terms of like healthcare and paid sick leave and, um, you know, stuff like that, like that a lot of other industries have. I think that people look upon service work as less than and there's a stigma attached to it that like, oh, I hope I'm not a bartender when I'm 50. And I've never understood that because I think it's such a great way to make a living. It allows you to have time to pursue other things. It's engaging. It's, I mean, I could go on. I have just such a tremendous amount of respect and I am part of the service community. So, um, I, but I think that societally it's looked down on almost as those service workers somehow don't deserve to be protected the way everyone else does because it's not like a quote unquote real job. And that really has to change. And that has had to have changed for a while. And I really hope that this is the catalyst for that change and that we can unify as an industry to stand up for ourselves, to protect ourselves like other industries. Um, And then furthermore, I really hope that on the human level um, that people who are not in the industry um, reassess how they look at service work, Uh, kind of like what I was saying before. But also I hope that it, it bleeds into how people behave in restaurants, their entitlement and respect for just being in a place, you know what I mean? And I'm I'm writing a piece about this right now, but I really hope that for folks who don't get to open their restaurants again, um, and I hope there are not many of those, but for those those of those those of who don't get to, um, I hope that they realize that what they've already created will never disappear because the memories that people forge in restaurants and what it means to people is untraceable and it's also unerasable. So mm. I hope that people know that. Yeah, I think that yeah, you're you're kind of proof of that with with um with your restaurant um Brucey. Yeah, people still like rave about it. It's those like those those memories definitely don't go anywhere. That's for sure. Yeah. And you um, don't know you don't know what you can what what goes on, right? So if you never open your restaurant, you don't know how many people fell in love in your restaurant and then from there started a family or like what it meant to them because they went on a day like after someone in their family passed away anyway so I just hope that people know if they don't open their places again that they've already they've already won yeah yeah definitely I love that way of thinking about it like I think the best advice I got as like a a a teenager was like regret the things you do not the things you don't do um and like same thing like a, a business that for whatever reason doesn't live as long as you want it to like especially restaurants create so much and I mean that's such a huge part of processing is like how does food play into the important parts of our life our memories our like emotional landscape um and before we started recording we were all kind of like chatting about like what we were or what we were sipping on and like what we're doing to take care of ourselves right now um and I'm just curious Zara like you're an amazing uh chef what are you doing to like take care of yourself and like what role of does food play in that right now yeah it's a great question so you know it's a funny thing I think that a lot of folks think that if you're a chef that when you come home your home is filled with like amazing baked goods and you're always cooking for yourself and I could just speak for myself but I know from knowing a lot of other chefs that that's very rarely true um and I'm also single and I live alone 
And so I'm, I rarely cook for myself. I mean, my refrigerator is usually empty. I have like a cucumber and I'm out a lot. You know, I go out to restaurants a lot and I don't ever cook for myself. So I've been using this time and really trying to like, you know, I'm very comfortable alone, but you know, I'm also trying to fight off the, like the loneliness blues a bit and do things that are like restorative for me. And I have really enjoyed beginning to cook at home and I, I'm making myself like nice meals and I'm like sitting down at the table and like lighting candles and just sitting by myself and like eating a nice meal. And that feels really good. And it's something I haven't done in a long time. And it's like really, it's really good for my soul and uh, I'm really enjoying it. And the you know hard part is like, normally if I do cook something, I always like bring something up to neighbors or I'll like bring leftovers over to my friends who work at Frankie's or something and I feel like you know nobody wants anybody else's food really (laughs) in this moment so I have my freezer is definitely full but um that's kind of what I'm doing on the food end and then oddly enough I'm taken to watching like a lot of old Robert Redford movies to kind of soothe myself and it sounds funny but like um it's just kind of giving me a little bit of hope in the future and a little bit of dreaming and I think like you know for me it's like watching Robert Redford movies because he like him in the 70s is the hottest thing ever to me but you know I I, it sounds funny but like I think it's important for everybody to just in part of self-care remember to keep still like dreaming and whatever that is to you that's fine but um find your Robert Redford everyone find your Redford brah (laughs) or you can take actual Redford (laughs) well that that makes me think of some something that you just said Zara so I think everyone is maybe things have changed so much for us personally that I think we are all taking time for ourselves and doing things that we're actually finding that we really enjoy. Um, mm. Are for every question for the room, uh, what are some of those other things like Zara and for everyone, what are those things that you might take with you beyond this, uh, you know, social distancing era? Um, for me, I think the thing that I'm doing that I want to take with me behind beyond this era is being like, again, I'm very comfortable being alone. I really like my alone time, but I don't like it being forced on me. And then when I, when it is, um, I become uncomfortable with that. So I think in this time, I'm really tucking into like the kind of throwing your hands up and being like, well, I'm alone or whatever that is. So I hope that I can just take patience from this, right? Like, I hope that I can take sitting with an uncomfortable feeling better. Um, And like, I think I'm getting good at that. And I hope that I take that with me. And I'm also learning to make bread like the rest of the world for the first time. Um, And I hope I also take that with me. (laughs) If you're not making sourdough, (laughs) what are you even doing? That's what we've... (laughs) I love that everyone's getting over their gluten intolerance all of a sudden. The past, like, decade, everyone's developed gluten intolerance. And, oh, my gosh, it's gone now. (laughs) It's a miracle. Isn't that strange? Yeah. What were you going to say, Matt? Oh, I was just going to say I've actually not been – I've been getting good at passing off other people's uh, professionally made bread as my own on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, Things I would like to take with me – the. So I've been feeling like I've been getting overwhelmed more easily than normal by like just lots of things, <laughs> but like looking at a phone basically is one of them. Uh, and so like 
single tasking is the thing I would like to remember to take with me. Mm. Um, just like realizing when it's time to just focus on one thing and shut everything else out and just try and do that thing as well as I can and then not and then surface at some point when it's done or whatever and, and worry about the next thing, but like not trying to stay on top of all the stuff at once because I think at least when I was when I was being worse about including the news cycle in that stuff, it was just feeling like totally crazy making. Mm. No, that's a really, really good point. I was thinking about that today, um, that that permission to like take breaks when you need them um, and slow down that like I know in our office, like we eat lunch at our desks most days and you know, are kind of like running from task to task because we're, you know, proudly running a very small scrappy nonprofit. But that means there's there's not a lot of time to like slow down and reflect on what you've been doing. And while I really miss um, working in the office with everyone, that like that slowing down and like I'm going to take a lunch break and like step outside and like make a phone call, whatever, like that's a really good one. But what I was actually going to say is like, one really stupid basic thing that I want to take away is I have always been really bad on the phone. Um, mm. Like I, as a kid, um, I had like a lot of anxiety around like phone calls, like the when caller ID became like a normal thing in households, it was like a transformative moment for me. Um, Cause I was like, I was like dealing with an estranged parent who would call at all hours of the night and freak me out. And it was just, like I, I just got this like weird phobia that I kind of have carried into adulthood. Like it's terrible. I have friends who live out of town and like I'll text and like occasionally call, but like I would rather just like when I see you, I'll unload the past six months of things on you. I, <laughs> I'm not good at the maintenance, um, but like being concerned for like, especially like, yeah, friends who live alone or um, live far away um, it's it's become a part of like my daily ritual to check in on people um, and to kind of let go of my own fears in the interests of the people that I care about. So that's something I want to like carry on. I love that. I think for me, it's um, like, yeah, not being stressed out by moments of quietness and at the same time, not having reading for pleasure or doing something creative be just a goal, but in a moment of quiet, being able to do those things and just find so much more pleasure and relaxation from them. So I've been, I don't know, just taking that time to read more. Or I did a drawing and a painting, things I just wouldn't normally do at all. And just remembering that those are still things I can do if I don't have plans after this is over and that I don't just have to make plans or go out or watch, just watch Netflix, like that there, there are other options to keep yourself occupied wow i feel like you guys have really done a lot more uh growth than me in the last three weeks <laughs> um but yeah i think what hannah was saying is kind of where where i'm at right now is like you know working from home is is like it really it's hard to be away from everyone and not just have that face-to-face -face time but rethinking sort of like that my day of work can be you know, split up into a different way where like I can go and have lunch outside or I can 
you know, have with you the day. Like yesterday I actually made like bolognese and I was able because I could sit here and like work at the kitchen table while I made bolognese. Um, and like, I don't know, I, I do think that we'll like be in this sort of new normal for a while and that that can kind of be how it continues. And I don't know once we all sort of, a lot of us go back into offices, if that's something that we carry with us, but it would really be nice. Maybe we can all have kitchens in our offices and make bolognese at work. I don't know. <laughs> I also read something the other day that was such a good reminder for me. And it said, you're not working from home. You're at home during a crisis trying to work. Yes. Mm. And I feel like mm. that's so important to keep in mind. It really is. Like, oh I feel like God. the first week doing this, I was like, felt I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. And then I realized that's not making me any more productive. Absolutely. No, and the circumstances, the circumstances are insane. Like, you can't... <laughs> working from home does not normally include literally, like, hour by hour... It's just, like, monumental news items. <laughs> so yeah. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. No, that first, first week was nuts. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and that, that I feel like that first week also helped to teach me because I was doing the same thing as Kat of being like, oh, my God, I'm not being productive enough. Like, I should be constantly working and, like, trying to solve problems and, and make sure that, like, everything's being taken care of. And I was like, oh, hold up. You're losing your goddamn mind and, like, <laughs> not taking care of yourself. And so, like, I feel like in the past, in, like, the most recent, like, week and a half of, like, I'm prioritizing taking care of myself. And because of that, I'm getting more work done you know and like taking those breaks and like you know maybe I start working 30 minutes later than I normally would but that's because like I was exercising and that's going to make me like happier for the rest of the day and like more productive Um, yeah that's a big lesson to learn from this yeah letting go of that in New York if you're not doing 4,000 things and the busiest person in the world you're not worth enough (laughs) yeah Total, totally. Um, well, let's take a really quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll have a couple more questions for Zara. And then, uh, Zara, we're going to have you play our brand new game. Hell yeah, I am so excited to play a game. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, We at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the ways that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org slash COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists, to first-hand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners, to reports on how this crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. All right. Welcome back to HR and Happy Hour. We are here with Zara Tangora, the host of not one, but two HRN podcasts, Processing, which she hosts with her mom, Bobby, and um, Life's a Banquet, which she hosts with, wait, remind me the co- your co-host name, Zara. Nicole, Nicole Bailey. Yay. Nicole Bailey. 
Um, so <laughs> we talked a little bit about processing, but what, how are things going on Life's a Banquet? Well, you know, normally on Life's, Life's Banquet is a very silly show. I, I venture to say maybe one of the silliest podcasts on the air. And, Absolutely. Uh, it, it's the opposite of processing, complete 180. And, uh, you know, for a couple of weeks, Nicole and I both did not feel comfortable just kind of going right into our normal, like, totally wacky, zany thing. So we did a couple of weeks of just, like, touching base with our listeners and ourselves and kind of assessing uh, a few of the daunting things. Uh, facing our country and world and then this week we got back into it with uh, a rip-roaring episode dedicated to our favorite food commercials but you know still like addressing the fact that there is a huge crisis going on Um, but trying to like remember that people also still need to laugh and be distracted and take a brain break once in a while including us and it felt really good actually Totally. I think that, you know, in having kind of conversations with some of HR and supporters and friends and family, they're, of course, like, well, we know you're going to be covering how this, how COVID-19 is impacting all of us. But what about like your normal, your normal shows? Like, you're not going to just change everything to only talk about a pandemic, are you? And I was like, absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Like, we're all going to be sitting at home and we need like a mental break from it. So um, I think Life's a Banquet is an excellent example of that. Between the shows that are like not necessarily inclined to cover it and also the archive of material that is, you know, from a different time, there's a lot of opportunities for like if you want to escape into something that is not at all talking about this current situation, we have many opportunities to do that. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's important. It's important to balance, right? Like I think it's so important to like find a balance during this of like, you know, not pretending it isn't happening and not being tone deaf and like, I mean, whatever that means for anybody, but you know, I've definitely seen plenty of examples of like missing the point. Um, (laughs) and then also it doesn't have to be like everything you think about at every moment of the day. Right. I think like most things in life, it's about balance and whatever that means to you is different. And it's, you know, it's, but it's, it's a goal, hopefully. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, if we uh, if we don't have any other questions for Zara, I think it is time to introduce her to our brand new happy hour game. You guys ready? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Zara, you've been on happy hour before, so you know that typically we would challenge you to trivia. But with this whole us not being in the same room situation, we have an opportunity to play a brand new game which is 20 questions. And what we're going to ask you to do is pick an item in the room that you're sitting in and you're going to, we're going to play 20 questions and try to figure out what that item is that you're looking at. Oh so, my. So let us know when you're ready. <laughs> okay. This Alternatively, is it could be something, it could be something you could see outside that is not in the room. That's also fair. I think that's fair. <clears throat> hmm. No, I'm going to, I've picked my item. But right. I'm warning you that you may not guess it. But you may. You may. We had a very challenging um, item the first time we played this game, which was a giant glass Chinese buoy. Who, like, <laughs> we, we still don't know what that is. So. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, there's so, nowhere to go but up. All right. Who wants to kick it off with a question? 
Okay, is sorry. Is the item... Oh, yeah, go. No, you, you, you. I didn't have a question. I was waiting for it to is, come to Is me. the item uh, bigger than your secret bread maker you're using to bake all your Instagram bread? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's bigger. Okay. That was the yes? Yes, it is. All right. Is it... Uh, is it something that you use for storage or is it yeah that sorry one no. question Mm-mm. no is it a kitchen does it belong in the kitchen no is it in your living area yes okay uh is it something you might possibly seat yourself on Mm-mm. nope is it a piece of would you consider it artwork or decoration Yes. Nice. Okay, I have been to Zara's apartment, so now it's like a good test of how <laughs> photographic my memory is, which is yeah. not Hannah, very. Hannah, this is all you. Oh, God. You, all of my pre-corona scared. memories are gone. Yeah. Zara, is it made of textiles? Oh, wait, hang on. You just crackled out a little bit. Is it what? Is it made of textiles? Kat, what was that last question? Is it made of textile? No, it's not made of textiles. Okay. Mm-mm, nope. No textile. <laughs> but is it, Zara, though, is it made of, <laughs> made of textiles? textiles? It is not made of textiles. <laughs> Just checking. Okay, good. <laughs> is it hanging on the wall? Yes. Did... Do you know the person that made this? Why is that important? I asked. It's too late. <laughs> it is important. The answer is no. I just thought that'd be fun to know, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love question. that question. Is anyone keeping track of the questions? How many We're questions are there? Nine questions. <laughs> okay. Wow. We have a whole universe of questions ahead of us. All right. Uh, uh, mm, okay. Is it. Is it like, um, okay, I don't know how to phrase this. but Is, is it, it a like print? A- it's a print. Is it a print? No, it's not a print. And you're going to have to guess exactly what it is, though. You're going to have to get specific. Otherwise, I'm not going to I'm not going to say this is a win. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> is it, but okay, but is it a painting? It is a painting. Ah. Uh, hmm. Are there people are th- in the painting? Yes. Is this the kind of painting that your like annoying family members are going to look at and be like, "That's not art. I could do that." No. <laughs> do you Good know the people in the painting? Yes. Oh, ooh, well, do I'm I really know them personally? Do I know them personally, or do like are they notable people? Ooh. I do are not know them personally. People? Yes, they're notable people. <laughs> it's a painting is of it a celebrity. For, is it? Oh wait, is that a print or a painting? Shit, is it for Marilyn Monroe's? Mm-mm, nope, <laughs> not in this house. I mean, I like Marilyn, but I would I don't know if I'd have that up. <laughs> um, is it Elvis? But actually, I'm going to give you... Would you say, is it Elvis? No, it's yeah. not. But I do have an Elvis that I had thought about maybe using as the guest. Um, but I want to go back to the Marilyn thing. You're on the right track. Is it pop art? No. Okay. Not really. Okay, we're at no, 16 at questions. There's four questions left. I'm always good for burning some questions. <laughs> So, so what do, a, recap what we know. Someone recap what we know. It's a painting it's, of a person or multiple people. We don't, I don't think we know if it's people. It's definitely people. people. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's people. I'll give you that. 
Thank you. And Zara does not personally know the artist, so you know that's helpful. And, <laughs> and they have something in common with Marilyn Monroe. Perhaps there are buxom ladies. Perhaps. I don't know. But it's not Is pop it- art. But yes, but they're being buxom lady, <laughs> the only attribute of Marilyn Monroe. Okay, is By it the a way, painting? I, w- I wanted to say, wait, hang on. I wanted to say that I, I almost like sloughed off that I wouldn't have a painting of Marilyn Monroe. I love Marilyn. I guess they're just initially triggered something in me of like that. I the kind of person I don't know. It's a I like cliche. Marilyn. Let's just yeah, leave yeah, it yeah. that. Right, right, yeah. right. You would have okay. to be the right kind of painting of Marilyn. Okay, go ahead. All right, I'm gonna ask: Is it a painting of a musician? No. Hmm. All right. Consider your questions carefully, everyone. Hannah, just remember the fucking thing. (laughs) You've been there. I know there was a painting of ballerinas, but I don't think you know them. That's Mm -hmm. the only one I remember. No. You're very warm with the Maryland. (gasps) Go ahead and say that again. Is it Audrey Hepburn? No. Too left. You're close Do you want me to Maryland. give you like a question? Oh, go ahead. Just clue, yeah, clue, like clue, yeah a hint. A okay, hint. a clue. Oh my god, are we soliciting clues? We're so Matt, be quiet. The people in the painting are related to each other. Are they Kennedys? Ooh. That's what I was gonna ask. Yes. Ah! Ah! They're Kennedys. It's a painting of of uh, JFK and RFK. Oh, that's my amazing. God. What? Did it. What? Third time's a charm, you guys. This is the first time we actually won our own game. Yes. Guys, good job. Guys, we won trivia. Good <laughs> job. And also, a salute to you, the JFK and the RFK. Yeah, it's a painting good that choice. I found of them at, um, I believe, a story that many of us enjoy, Yesterday's News, right here in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. Absolutely. Aww. Yeah, amazing vintage store. That's great art to have Aww. in your apartment. Yeah, it's, it's real good. So you're saying Robert Redford, Kennedy's, you have a type. You have a type. <laughs> I do, right? Oh, my goodness. Can yeah. I just tell you, though, the Robert Redford thing is really getting me through this crisis. What a, <laughs> what a hunk. And I'm talking 70s Redford, okay? Of course. And, like, I had never seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, and yeah. it really changed my life. It, what a <laughs> fucking awesome movie. I've been watching Mad Men, so we're on the same wavelength. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The D- Donnie <laughs> Drapes is my numero dos now. I'm actually more of a Roger Sterling girl myself, Ooh, but we wow. can talk about that later. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Sterling's good. You know, Roger Sterling's character reminds me a lot of, like, Paul. now that Paul Newman has appeared in some of these Redford movies. Mm. I've always been a Newman fan, and I love Numinos. Um, <laughs> he reminds me a little bit of Roger Sterling, I was thinking the other day. John nice. Flattery. Yeah. We are also Newman oh, fans. I love him. Oh. We are big Newman fans. Well, you're going to love next week's episode of Life's Banquet because Nicole and I, she's a Newman. I'm a Redford, and we're going to do a Newman-Redford episode of Life's Banquet. I Ooh. love that. Yeah. Whoa. We should, send, we should send that to Nell, or maybe not. We'll see how it turns out. Well, yeah, we should we should listen to that carefully first and then consider sending it to Nell. <laughs> Who's Mel? Mel? Mel Newman? Yeah. Mel Newman is his yeah. daughter, oh who is a, a very good friend of the network and oh. does a lot of philanthropic work to improve <laughs> our food system. OMG, uh, we'll make sure it's super flattering. I mean, how could it not be? We're talking about Paul Newman be? and Robert Redford. Exactly. The actual best. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, this was super fun. And sorry, thanks for joining us on Happy Hour. Oh my God, thank you for having me. I was so excited when you guys rang me and when you rang my secretary and asked if I could make this appointment. <laughs> you said, my people will call your people. <laughs> Dorothy and I were both thrilled. 
And I said, um, Zara, yes. we are your people. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, thank you so much. It was really fun to like get to hang out with you guys. I miss you so much. And um, yeah, thanks for like, I just wanted to like give a little shout out to y'all. I mean, for everything, but um, I feel like social media is important at this point in terms of like sharing good information, especially about like how, you know, in our industry, how to like help restaurants, how to help folks that are in need. Um, you guys have been doing such a good job in sharing good information in that way. And I, that's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, a, it's using your power for good, which I think is hugely important in this crisis. Thank you so Aww. much. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Real Sarah. Good. That's good awesome. stuff. And everyone should listen to, like, Processing and Life's a Banquet are, like, the key to a well-balanced podcast diet. Um, <laughs> because Absolutely. one will, you can have, you can get your cries out, and then the other one you can get your giggles out, which we all need to do both. So <laughs> thanks, babe. Subscribe. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for tuning in to HR and Happy Hour. We will be back next week with more of a respite for, from this pandemic social distancing world that we live in see you then hr and happy hour is powered by simplecast thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage radio network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community, subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.